Hey guys, and welcome to episode three of the Cardinals Nation 24-7 podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lawless, and with me as always is the living legend, Larry Cox. How are you doing tonight, Larry? What's going on, Chris? How are you doing, buddy? Well, uh, you know, opening day has came and gone, but, you know, I kind of want to talk about the excitement of opening day. Um, you know, we didn't put out an episode last week, but opening day was a very special one this year. We got to see, of course, you know, the Clydesdales and all the legends coming back, but, you know, I, I personally had to miss some of it, you know, caught it on the radio and didn't get to catch it on Bali sports, but going back and watching some of the replays of it, uh, it was awesome to see guys like uh, Joe Torrey and Big Mac coming back. Uh, Tim McCarver was able to, you know, make it too. And uh, it was just overall between that and seeing the tribute for Yachty and Wayno and Albert, it was a pretty moving ceremony. Uh, what say you on that situation? Yeah, I, I again, I didn't get to watch it live, like you said, and um, I went back and watched it on Bally. Um, I always say, I always tell all my friends, all my baseball friends, that no matter what else you say, like or hate the Cardinals as a fan outside of the St. Louis Nation, um, we have the best opening day by far. Um, you know, the kids are out of school, the parade all downtown leads to the stadium, everything's great. Uh, and then you hit throw in all the history of all the, you know, the past stars and the hall of famers and the, and the ring of famers, whatever you want to call around the wall, I guess. And uh, they just, it just makes it so much even sweeter. And then the fact that they always bring all the, all the players in, in by the trucks or cars, however, in the past they've had Mustangs, they've had four trucks, have you. Um, but even just the hall of famers, that is always, to me, they, they show the, the uh, reverence for those players of the past. And um, the, the respect that they 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 have coming to them, but even to see Tory and uh, and uh, Big Mac there, that's a big thing as well, um, you know. But then you miss you know the you know Brock not being there or Gibby not being there, that's kind of the biggest shock for me I think coming this year. But then you see Pool Holes come back. It's kind of a you know like I said before, I was always the I was always the voice of reason. I always said with you um, the nostalgia part. I get it, but the player standpoint, I don't see him adding to this team, but yeah, him being their opening day, that was huge for me as well. It brought back, you know, those memories of the 10 years he was here that, you know, that man stepped in that batter's box and he was truly the machine. So it was, it was a lot there, man. Yeah. I think, you know, and to that point, I think Albert, I hate to say it's just because of Albert, but I think that played into a lot of why Big Mac, you know, came, I know he's been tied up for, for years when he was coaching and same with Joe Torrey having a, a job in baseball that they're not always readily available. Obviously, like Larusa, he's managing, so he's not going to be able to come. But when you're missing guys like Brock and Gibson and, you know, it's it's important for those guys to try to make an effort to come because the fans eat that up, the players eat that up, and especially this year when you've got – now, I know Wainwright hasn't said officially this is his last year, but potentially his last year. And Yachty and Pujols, what they meant to the Cardinals, this was, you know, an important one to kind of give them the last opening day, you know, send off. So I thought that was pretty awesome. Ozzy thought, you know, and Willie with the first pitch was cool. Uh, you get to thinking, you know, some of these guys like Whitey, I don't know how many years he's got left, you know. I mean, he's up there in 90. Um you know, and McCarver, you know, he's up there in age two, but it it was nice to see and, you know, brought brought a whole different level of excitement. But, uh, you know, the tribute video, I was in my car listening to it and, and 
I know we were kind of all swapping messages. Some of us were able to watch it. Some of us were, you know, listening. And I think all of us can agree we were either getting goosebumps or tears in our eyes because it was just, that's an emotional thing that, you know, I'm 41 years old and these guys have played almost half my life that I've got to watch, you know, in a Cardinal uniform. It's pretty, pretty incredible. Yeah. It, the, the thing is that we always look at it as, you know, the, the voting, the Hall of Fame voting's coming up. Like we always talk about, they're going to add one name this year. Those guys replace those guys as they, as they do leave, you know, the, the baseball Hall of Fame heaven for the true heaven. <laughs> they, um, you know, we get to replace them again this year. You know, now you got the Rollins and, and this year we'll add in, uh, you know, either Renteria or one of the other guys that I'm again, Matt Morris fan here. So there's that, but uh, those guys do start coming in and they do come back. And that's the biggest thing is, you know, Roland was not active in years past since he left the Cardinals because the way he did leave, but then when they put him in the hall of fame, now he's more active with the team and he's around. And that's the good thing about it. It's nice seeing those guys. And like I said, because I think the Cardinals fandom, um, it, it bridges such a huge generational thing. Um, like you said, your grandfather, you know, he's a huge Cardinals fan and you're a Cardinals fan and your son's, well, let's not go there. Um, anyway, <laughs> but uh, so, you know, and that's the biggest thing about it is, is that you have young or old those you can relate because, you know, you do have the stories of Gibby or, or those guys that, you know, back in the day versus the new guys that now like a roll of those guys, you've seen those play, you know, you probably never seen Gibby throw a baseball before, but yet you knew he's a Cardinal hall of famer. And now, you know, you're seeing the guys that you did see play like Renteria or those guys being added to the, to that, that wall of fame. That's huge for you. You know, and even for me now, it just makes me feel old. <laughs> So it, I, I look forward to the Hall of Fame stuff. And, I, and like I said, I always like the intro. And there's nothing like seeing those Clydesdales come through that gate. And, you know, it just, you know, spring is here and summer's right behind it. And that's the best thing about it, I think, the seasonal change and everything coming. Because, you know, the, the gray of football and all that crap is over. And, you know, and now it's let's move on to real sport. <laughs> For sure. And, you know, you kind of touched on when you said Wall of Fame. What about the new look of the left field wall out there where I, I personally think it looks more billboardish than it does a mural, you know, um, they've got everybody's numbers are still up there. They do have Jackie Robinson's, you know, his image with his number and it's in Dodger blue. Some people in, in our group and elsewhere on social media kind of have a little bit of a problem with that. To me, number 42, it's retired. It was out there before anyway. I don't mind the the mural. I mean, he was a Dodger, but he's, you know, he is who he is, you know. So I don't, I don't, th I don't have a problem with that. I just think the overall look of it, at first glance, it'll take some getting used to. I think some of it's just because we're used to what we've been seeing. It looked a little billboardish, that you know. But at the end of the day, I think we'll get used to it. But what say you on your opinion on that? I. I, like you said, I think it's just a little bit of getting used to it. It's a different look for us. Um, we're used to seeing the arch in the middle and then the, the just the, the picture of Ozzy doing the backflip and those kind of things across there. And it's that's familiarity with us. But we got to realize that baseball is an ever-changing business and it is going to have to have a new look every once in a while to capture those new fans. And um, I think the Jackie Robinson is long overdue for all stadiums. I think I should have been put on there a long time ago. Um, the – 
you know, the, that black eye that baseball had for a long time of excluding those players uh, was wrong. And we know it now, but we can't apply the logic of 2022 to, you know, the back in the 1930s and 40s, because it's just a different way they thought. And that's a history lesson, I guess you could say. But uh, Jackie Robinson made it possible for all the great players we've seen that, you know, step forward through those gates now and and fortunately for us, we have the uh, Negro League Hall of Fame right across the street. So that's another thing that adds that that whole look for us as well. So that's a great thing as well. So, Yeah, and, you know, they, they've talked about with uh, Jackie Robinson Day will be coming up here in the, the next week or so, I believe. But they've said that each game this year, you know, we, in years past, we've all worn number 42. But this year, the 42 will be in Dodger blue on every team's uniform. Again, some of the fans out there are like, oh, my God, why would it be blue? Why would it not be Dodger blue? And, and does, that doesn't take away from a Cardinal uniform to see that number 42 in blue. So it kind of boggles the mind. I think some people get off on complaining about the smallest detail. But, yeah, that's uh, that's something they're going to do. And there there is uh, the Roberto Clemente, each of the active players that are out there are getting to sport the – you know, emblem on their hat, which obviously we've got Pujols that's a, a winner, Yachty and Bueno. So that's pretty awesome, too. Yeah, I, I like that we're celebrating those guys. I've always wondered why when uh, these guys win these achievement awards, I guess what you'd call them for their for just who they are being a person, uh, why we belittle those. You know, these guys win these awards and you never hear anything about them. You know, they have award ceremony. It's over. It's done. Go away. And like you said, now having that on the back of their hat, I think that's huge. You know, I think it's a big deal uh, because it does, it, it kind of sets an example for the younger players in the league that look, whether you like Albert leaving or how it happened, he never stopped caring about St. Louis and the, and the young children, in the St. Louis area, excuse me, those down syndrome children that he's adopted. He's taken as his own is the pool holes foundation raises millions of dollars and the St. Louis Cardinals, has still partaked in that every year since he left. So it's not like they had a hard feeling toward him. So I don't understand why fans can't get over it and move on. And understand, baseball is a business, first and foremost. Uh, these guys make a living out of it, you know, like we've always talked about before. It's their job. They get up in the morning and they go to work, just like you or I do or anybody else. They just happen to play a baseball game. That's the difference. And so why not give them the honors and the dues that they have coming to them? If you want a, you know, Clemente award, you should be able to celebrate that every day, you know, and be recognized for the person that you are. Yeah. I, I haven't really done the research on hearing about this, so I don't know when it is going to take place, but apparently baseball is going to be doing a lot like what the NBA is doing with having advertisements on the uniform. And, you know, obviously when a couple years back when we've switched to having the Nike swoosh on the uniforms, a lot of people throw a fit about that. I don't really see it taking away from the beauty of the birds on the bat. Again, like you said, it is a business. This is a, one of the ways they're going to be making money, but I don't think it's going to stop there. I think I've also read where there could be some logos on the helmet. And as long as it's not tobacco, alcohol, or gambling related, I think any, any business is, you know, can, can take up on getting that done. So I, what are your thoughts on that? You think, <laughs> which, is, like which is kind of ironic. It's kind of ironic that you can't have gambling on your helmet, but our company, our sports brass 
is Bally Sports. I mean, right. you know, that's kind of weird. But even like even like the people that are throwing a fit about the Nike emblem, how many years do we have Majestic on the bottom of the logo? Just because you couldn't see it every screenshot, I get it. Right. And, you know, back in the day, you had to tuck your shirt in. That was the rules. It had to be tucked. And, you know, that was just part of the, you know, the look. But, uh, I mean, I've watched Japanese and Korean baseball. I hope we don't get to that level where they're, you know, the Bobby bought the bail bondsman's helmet on the back of your helmet or something, you know, and, and it's just, I think it cheapens the game. But if you, if you've watched, you know, some of their sports though, they're successful because they do market a lot better than we do. And I think that's the biggest problem with the downfall of our sport as per se, you know, the marketing people, not us, because we love the sport. Um, you have to attract this, those younger generations somehow. So they try to make it, they try to make it as fun or entertaining as they can. It's just like, you know, a couple of years ago, we, we as moderators, our group, we were all arguing over about, you know, the show, we couldn't get it on Xbox, you know, and I went out when it finally came crossed over and I bought it. And guess what? I hardly ever play it. And the reason is, is because after you play it a couple of times, it's not that much fun. It's just not, I'm sorry. And so I can understand where, you know, these kids are coming into the game and they're looking and they're going, you know, well, the hard part about baseball, I think, is it's not a game you can play like one on one. You know, it's not like you can go out and play it. So it takes it takes at least, you know, five or six people to play the game is even a pickup game. But it's I, I think they have to market it somehow. So they have to put in advertising in order to have fun commercials or, uh, you know, if they have to put a little bear logo dancing, I don't care, whatever. But I think they got to do something. I mean, a couple of years ago, I remember when they put the the scrolling marquee behind the batter. And to us, we're sitting there going, how does this not distract the pitcher? Yeah. It's called technology, dummy. You know, the, the pitcher doesn't see it. It doesn't move when the pitcher is pitching. <laughs> but, uh, and so, you know, and that was the thing. It was, it was huge. And, and even when we moved from Old Bush Stadium to New Bush Stadium, or two to three, whichever you prefer to call it, um, it became this whole you know, oh my God, this is now, this is more of a marketing thing. This is more of a, this is an old school baseball, you know, all the, at the time, all the other ballparks were like, uh, they were going back to like the Camden yards and, and those places were trying to go to the retro look and here we are go modern. And it was just kind of a, a shock to the system, I guess, because we thought we would go, you know, back to that as well. But it's not like Bush stadium has a lot of backdrop they could use for like warehouses or any of that nature. So I don't know what they thought, but I, I think change every once in a while, as far as the stadium, the logos, that kind of stuff, I think it makes it kind of cool. Just like when they put the nicknames on the back of the jerseys it makes for a fun day. It's a day. Right. Don't take it so serious. It's still just a game. Right. That's like, you know, when I, I called my grandfather was telling him about it and he's like, Oh great. The Cardinals jerseys are going to look like the Bassmasters. You know, they're going to have a logo for the fish and lure that exists. And I said, I don't, and it's not going to go that extreme, but you know, like you said, some people, obviously I, I think we can, we're the same and we're old school on a lot of things, but baseball, it can't stay completely old school i mean you know the dh coming here i think is a good thing you know and for a long time i was one of those that was totally uh, yeah i'm into the strategic small ball nobody plays small ball anymore you know pitchers getting hurt every time they come to play it's it was long overdue for the the national league to get it uh it does let guys like a Pujols extend their careers out further that 
uh, you know, who Encarnacion and, you know, Nelson Cruz, you know, some of those guys, they can still knock the cover off the ball. And so it's, I, I don't have a problem with it. Um, you know, and again, like I was talking to my grandpa about some of the things he'll throw a fit. Um, but I said, like, when the four-pitch ball, you know, we don't have to throw four pitches. We point to first base. Who misses that? How often would a ball pass, you know, on a on a fourth pitch or something? It just rarely happened. So I, I think some of that change is, you know, it's good. And then down in the minors, they're experimenting with the, the pitch clock and the, the bigger bases and I think eventually once they get that kind of the quirks worked out, I think that'll be good. But one thing I'll ask you your opinion on, and I really enjoy it is the replay and the, the umpires addressing it to the, to the crowd instead of having to put the headsets on. We're all like watching the jumbotron or whatever. We all think we know what the outcome is. It is a little bit like football when the, you know, the refs do announce it, but I, I like it. What, what do you like? Do you like it or not? I, I like that. I like that they announce now uh, the the outcome and say just going you know like this and it's over. But uh, I've always said before, why do they have to stop the game? They have these guys sitting in New York watching the game. They have a replay. The guy says we're going to replay this. They push a button. They put it in his ear. Say he's safe. Let's move on. Why do they stop the game at all? I don't. I, for the life of me, I don't get it. Why don't they have like another out another traveling umpire, you know, a fifth man of the team or something at the stadium upstairs sitting that is not from the home team. You know what I mean? Because the, the umpires that. aren't from that area anyway. Right. And so why isn't he just watching a TV screen going, oh, wait a minute. Sorry, Jim, you blew the call first, you know? <laughs> that, and the other thing is, I, I think is, if you're going to do replays, why not, I don't know, tick mark or something of some nature and say, that guy missed a call. You know, he missed a call. We should, we had to review it because you made a bad call. So if we're really truly wanting to speed up the game, why do we make the umpires accountable for their mistakes? I mean, for, I know they do to some extent because like the all-star game and the world series, those guys are graded and all that. Right. But, but Joe West was still there for years and years and never got anything right. Yeah. And so, you know, and that's the biggest thing. Um, I, I think that they ought to be held accountable for that but I do like the system this year. I think it's vastly improved the last year. And the other thing I like this year too, is not having to body search and cavity search the pitcher when they come off the field, you know, just the, Hey, let me see your hands. And I guess they took special training over the off season on just how to see like resins on their fingers versus an oil substance or a Vaseline or whatever else they used or a fingernail file or whatever. But yeah. And I like that, too, because, you know, we all remember the Max Scherzer thing. You know, he came up, he's stripping down, taking his clothes off in the middle of the game. It's like, wait a minute, this is a family game, dude. Chill. (laughs) It would be hard, though, if you're a pitcher that you knew you didn't use shit like that. And they would it'd be hard not to be like, go ahead and strip search me. You know, just to be a smart ass, you know. But, yeah, like you said, it has sped things up with not having to go to that, you know, extreme and, I would like to think that baseball cracked down on it hard enough to where it did scare some people not to be using it. But, you know, you can, you can flip over to, uh, you know, just got popped again. I mean, Rondon just got popped for suspended for PEDs. That's where I was going was, you know, we just, you know, we were kind of all wondering at the end of last season, why the Cardinals, you know, kind of let him go because it was like, 
coming off the bench, he was a pretty good, consistent bat and could play several positions. And I, not that that happened during that time, but it's like, okay, well, you know, you uh, go out and now he's going to serve an 80 game suspension. And he wasn't alone that uh, Rodriguez pitcher, you know, he, he's one that's on, yeah, that's twice for him. So, I mean, some of these guys, I don't think they, they learn their lessons. Some of them, I, I think giving them the benefit of the doubt, don't always know what they're taking, but they know they shouldn't be taking it, you know? It's so, and, that, and that's one of the things I, I've, I've read because when all this PED stuff really started to get off, there's a list. And anytime you take any kind of medication that you may be leery of, you call the commissioner's yeah. office and you ask them. Yeah. You go to the front office, but then again, look what happened to the Angels. Their training staff was giving them illegal drugs, and that's how the Skaggs kid died. Yeah. So, I mean, you just don't – I don't know. Like I said, I mean, for years – a couple of years back, there was, you know, there was some there was some complaining about the uh, training staff and the uh, the way the Cardinals were dealing with injuries, and, and we fired – and we got rid of that staff, if you remember right, a couple of years ago. Because these guys said, you know, hey, the staff was favoring and for the for the team versus the player. They were telling the players, oh, you're fine. It's just tendonitis. And in fact, it was torn labrums or whatever. And so um, we you just don't know who to trust or anything. And like you said, we've said since we started tonight is, you know, it's a business and there are big dollars. And that, and that was the thing with like the PEDs. I understood that more than a lot of a lot of people should have, I guess. And the reason is. If you're that kid and you're 27 or 28 years old and you're at triple A, somebody says, hey, take this pill. Next year, you'll be a starting center fielder for the Yankees. You damn right I'm taking it. Pay me, you know. And and that's the thing right there. And, and if you get caught, so what, I'm out. But you know what, how many millions did I make before they got caught? You know, that's the thing. But – you know, it's it's still ethical, or it's your name that's out there, and now you're forever linked to being a cheater or whatever. But Robin Cano still has a job, and so does you know, so, yeah. you know these guys still keep bringing. And that's my problem with it is they keep bringing these guys back. You know, it's a no, 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 no. Oh wait a minute, we resigned him. That's okay. All right. And, you know, and that and that's my biggest thing with it. So. You know, ESPN well, still got a rod. Yeah, I was going to say, and then you got Ortiz in the Hall of Fame. But you know, that's a get me started. There. I know that's a that's a discussion for another time. But uh, you know, circling to some you know some good news, and we talked about the opening day ceremonies being great. But the Cardinals really got off on the right foot in Game One, uh, nine to nothing, spanked the Pirates. And I I know what a lot of people are thinking. You have to against Pittsburgh, and we agree. It's just the Pirates. It's just the Pirates. But, you know, I hate to throw this line out there, but believe it or not, they are a major league team, and these wins count just as much as if we were to beat the Dodgers. But these are games that the Cardinals do need to to be taken care of business with. But to jump out like they did, obviously Wainwright pitching was lights out, six innings, no no run baseball. You know, I would have given up five hits. Um you know, he, he looked sharp and, you know, the bullpen come in and they did their job. You know, it was, it was really impressive, but not to take away from his performance, the Cardinals were putting up a lot of runs too. And none more than Tyler O'Neill, who, you know, five RBIs for the game. Uh, you know, he's on track to, I'm not even going to tally all that up, but he's, he's raking that. Yeah. That's, you know, that's awesome. You got Goldschmidt who walked four times, you know, which, Patience with him—that's that's a good thing. 
Um, I don't know if that was the game where uh, DeYoung didn't get a hit the first game, but DeYoung's been coming around. That game one, it was just pedal to the metal, enjoyed it, 9 nothing. You know, what are your takeaways from that game? I mean, were you surprised to see Wayne Wright go out and dominate the way that he did, and were you surprised about the offense coming in like they were? The the biggest thing about Wayne Wright's, and again, I realize it's they're still a professional team, they're still the Pirates. Um, they had a lot of young kids that bid on that on that off speed stuff, and that's the thing that Wayne Rice turned himself into. He's actually a pitcher now, not just somebody throwing the ball hard. He's got more than just old Uncle Charlie throwing out there too. And so the thing is, is that you got all those kids that were anxious. There was an opening day for them too, for several of those players. And then you're in St. Louis to top it off on top of that. You got all that going on on the air side of the field. Yeah. That's huge. That's a lot of pressure on those kids. So, but taking all that away, Wainwright pitched a hell of a game. Uh, I read where he's like the third oldest player of all time to opening day to have six scoreless innings up to, you know, so that's yeah. pretty amazing too. So, you know what, he'll be back next year. So he can be the number one, I don't know. Oldest, I don't know. But uh, all in all, I, I I took a lot away from the game, the parts that I was able to see because I did go someplace to watch it. Um, but uh, I'll tell you the kid that really has surprised me this year is is, is, is uh, Paul DeYoung. His swing looks back to like it was. And, you know, not to not to take anything away from, you know, any of our other uh, moderators, but Boyd, Boyd and I have been talking about this for a couple of years. It looked like he was injured. It looked yeah. like there's something wrong with he's pulling off the ball or something, like a rib injury or something. But this year it looks like he's got a, a nice swing to the ball and he's not jumping at it. It's a short swing. Um, and then we seen it in game two, of course, you know, he did hit the home run. But, um, but I, I mean, Town had a hell of a game. You know, O'Neal, like he said, you can't take away just the RBIs alone. And then, you know, and then, of course, Arenado got in on the deal as well. And then even the four walks, like you said, uh, Goldschmidt batting in the in the second spot, that's his job. Get on base, however you get on base. And he did it, and that's what he's got to do. But um, I, I still, you know, see an Albert come to the plate. I'm sorry. I, I Over four day, I don't care. Oh, for five. Oh, for five, excuse me. Yeah. Um, but still, the fact that he was there – and the fact that, you know what, they didn't take him lightly. They, no. I mean, they still, you could tell. And, and he, did like, reach, he did reach base, you know, and, and hit the ball hard, considering he was facing a right-hander. And they said, we're going to worry about the matchups later on. Opening day, we can make an exception. Uh, but it was it was nice to see him making the, the contact that he made. And, you know, we the running joke with all of us is, man, between him and Molina, who wins a foot race, you know, but you put I think those, I can outrun both of them. Oh, I don't <laughs> doubt it a bit. You know, uh, and I've got know, knee injuries too. It's, it's crazy because those, those two guys, if, if it's not going to happen often, but on games where they're both in the lineup, man, that clogs the base pads up, you know, and that's a, that the bad thing, I, like I said before, was if Albert's hitting in front of Molina, that's it. Just hit it to center field. It's still a double play. <laughs> um, the best, the best thing I took away from it was actually is even the outs were hard hit ball outs, right. and it looked like to me a different hitting approach. And I don't want to crown anybody this early in the year, but maybe Alberts, maybe Jeff Alberts was right all along that maybe it wasn't Jeff Alberts was the problem. Maybe it was our former manager, but it looks like the approach of the plate is different from spring training to now even that these guys 
seem like they have a, a shorter swing, not that big loop, or they're not they're not trying to hit the you know like I always said the Bader the empty bases three run homer. Right. Him and Young, him and him and Wong always had that theory. Um, but even then, I mean, those guys are dropping the balls in front of the outfield. They're they're hitting the gaps. They're hitting the lines. I mean that. Overall, I think we did really well. And I know, again, it's only the Pirates. I get it. But what's the difference? I, I mean, again, like you said, you know, if I'm playing the Dodgers or the or the, or the the Pittsburgh Pirates, what's the difference? A win's a win's a win. And all I got to do is get in the playoffs. So if it means I got to roll up the wins against the Pittsburgh Pirates, so be it. They're in our league. I can't help that. Right. Our division, excuse me, our division. Yeah. And, you know, there's a couple of things I'll, I'll touch on there. Uh, talking about like Pujols' stance, he wasn't as crouched, you know, as normal. He was more like freestanding. And I, I, you, you see that a little bit with DeYoung, too, that he talked about in interviews that he really was in his own head a lot last season. And once you get in that funk and kind of like a Matt Carpenter that I don't think Carpenter ever recovered from, when you, when you struggle, I think it is sometimes you do get in your own head where you're pressing so hard that, even if you are battling injuries, which is probably a lot of it too, you start thinking, damn, am I ever going to get a hit? Then you're up there like, I've got to get a hit, which you're they're major league baseball players. You've got to have that want to. I think I can. I know I can attitude. But I, I do think that DeYoung, you know, learned from the struggles of last season. And whatever he did this offseason is, you know, look, look to be working so far. So, you know, between those two, you know, that's – it's, it's cool to see, but just the overall lineup, Edmund hit a home run, Arenado's leading the league in RBIs, you know, Goldschmidt taking professional bats like he does. Carlson had, you know, several hits today. Uh, that lineup, when they're clicking, it could be a little more dangerous than what I even get credit for. Even the defense across the board. I mean, we made some, I mean, uh, DeYoung, or I mean, yeah, DeYoung made several nice plays. In the hole, strong strong uh, throws. That's the one thing we always say with him. Even if his bat wasn't there, he's a solid defender. He's an all-star defender. Um, then, you know, then uh, you had the – was that the game where, yeah, Bader had the nice sliding uh, dive for the ball? Yeah. And then you had another one by O'Neal that he had to run back on the wall and catch that one. And, of course, you know, Arenado just – well, just a human high highlight reel there. And, yeah. you know, and that's and that's the biggest thing. I, I – you can't take away defense. You know what I mean? It doesn't take days off. That's, that's the thing I like about the fact that we build a team or I'm sorry, I'll take that back. There's no, we, that, you know, Mazalak has built a team of all-stars just with gold gloves. And that's the biggest thing you can't, you can't dismiss that in any way. Well, takeaways from that second game too, Miles Michaelis, you know, starting and really hasn't had, you know, much, you know, major league pitching in the last couple of years of being hurt, but Got up to 77 pitches and, you know, gets pulled. He was able to get himself out of the jams that he was putting himself in, which, I, you know, we're sitting here watching the game with Tina, and she's like, damn, he doesn't have his stuff today. And I said, that on the plus side, he's able to get out of it, you know, which you hate to give up two runs to Pittsburgh, but nonetheless, he was getting out of it. And I said, so I like to see that. Uh, the guys that they put in, you know, um, Helsley's had a couple nice outings. So he's he's holding it down, and the guys like Nick Whitgren that they they brought in, he yeah. it's all right. Cody Whitley, you know, come in and got the win. Um, it's I think that that bullpen is going to help out. Uh, there's some names on there that some Cardinal fans aren't familiar with, but you know you're looking at they they've already announced that Jordan Hicks is going to be a starter, so he's out of the bullpen. Uh, 
Alex Reyes being injured, he's out of the bullpen. So you're really going to have to rely on these guys like Verhagen, Aaron Brooks, you know, Whitgren. You're going to have to rely on them as well as your Hennessy Cabrera and, you know, Helsley and Gallegos. So it was, it was nice to see the bullpen's been getting it done lately. Yeah, Brooks, Brooks made his debut today, I believe. Right, he did. He and, did. Uh, and he gave up the home run, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, But he was – that was his major league start. I mean, you know, and that was – and all in all, I mean, he looked pretty decent from what I've seen of the highlights. You know, I can't really say because like I said I can see the whole game. But uh, just listening on the radio, he, he sounded like he's pretty good. And the other kid that came in and replaced him sounded like he was doing well too. Um, but I think the biggest thing with the takeaways with Michaelis was he was keeping the ball down. Michaelis has always been around the strike zone. It's The problem is sometimes he ventures too far into the strike zone, and that's what's gotten him lit up. And so you know with him – if he keeps the ball down in a way, they're going to ground out, and that's the biggest thing with our defense that's going to happen. Even the lazy fly balls, we know that outfield's tracking them down. So, Right. And not to not to just go from game two to game three, but how you were talking about Michaelis keeping the ball you know, down, a, a problem that Steven Matz had today was keeping the ball up. And, you know, coming in, his first couple innings were great, you know, lights out, and then, you know, gets in that jam, then the grand slam. Uh, you know, I was talking to a few people and they're like, we should have pulled him right after that. And I'm like, okay, you don't have guys warming up at that point, you know, and the base is loaded. He gives up the grand slam. You give him a few more batters to me, given a, you know, a couple more hits, then you, you kind of pull the, pull the rug and be like, we can't let this get out of hand. Not blaming this on Schumacher, but obviously Schumacher has been taking over for Ollie Marmol, who's been sick the last couple games. I think it, it comes down to you want to still have the confidence in match. You don't want to go out there and just be like, you screwed the pooch. I'm yanking you. But at the same time, you, you do got to address that stuff fairly early because obviously, you know, he give up a couple more runs. And then by then it's a stretch to come back, even if it's the Pittsburgh Pirates. That's a that's a mountain to climb to, to come back on that. Yeah. I mean, like you said, the first two innings, you know, from what I've seen, he, the ball was down. He, he was getting the ground balls. He was getting. The, he was very effective, and that's the pitcher we want. That's the guy they went out and got. That's that's the reason they brought him in. But the problem I can continually, I will say again and again and again, is that with with Yachty, it seems like that as he's gotten older, the framing, the the not moving so well. It's like he sets up in the same spot. I mean, when we knew, as listening to the game, I was listening and I kept saying. They're attacking first pitch pitch. Why are we throwing strikes every time? Right. Four straight hitters, they threw first pitch strikes, and they all swung. So why, as a veteran catcher, is he not, oh, wait a minute, I better set up outside or move inside a little bit or maybe get the ball up or down or whatever. But I, after watching games, and you and I have talked about this to you know at length, and you know, you, you've in the past said, you know, you don't agree with me, but mm-hmm. um and I've seen it because I, I, I don't think, you know, I, I know at, at his age, he doesn't move quite as well. I get it. He's still, he's still a major league baseball player, you know, and I'm not, I get that too. And he's a future hall of famer. I get that. But at some point you have to realize we're not bouncing balls in the dirt no more because Yachty can't get those, you know, even the one went to the screen today, rolled out. He didn't realize the guy was running third. Right. You know, and the guy scored on a wild pitch that probably in years past, Yachty would have got him. Yeah. But he just doesn't move as well. And it's not, you know, that's just that's just 
old man time catching up with you. That's not, you know, I'm not trying to be negative toward Gotti in any way. Uh, but the fact is, is that if you watch, it seems like to me, Yachty sits up in the same position a lot of times and hardly moves. And that, and to me, I think that hurts our pitching staff a lot more than people realize because you are grooving pitches. You know, if I know you're going to hit the inside corner every time, I'm going to step back three inches in the batter's box and I'm going to pull that sucker down the third baseline. Thank God there's that guy that stand third base and get most of those for us. Right. But again, it's, you know, who am I to say, you know, I'm not, I'm not watching film with these guys. I'm just, this is just my opinion, but I, I kind of want to see what he bats does maybe with, you know, our backup catcher. Cause I'm not going to say his name because you'll laugh at me again. I'm tired of being laughed at. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, and so that's the thing, you know, maybe that's a difference. Cause like I said, last year, you and I agreed, we seen a different Carlos Martinez between the two catchers. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing. I think it has hurt some of our pitchers. I, I'm sorry. I, I love the guy. I'm glad he's here. You know, but I'm one of the guys, and I think it's time, you know, that a younger catcher needs to be behind the plate. Not that the, not that this has anything to do with the struggles of, you know, giving up the runs today. But, you know, going back to how we were talking about having the old school attitude, uh, you know, I know uh, Molina, he is that old school type of catcher. I find it a little odd that every other team is, you know, doing the whole catchers with the system, with the watch to the pitcher on what to throw. And the Cardinals ain't there yet. You know, Yachty's kind of like, if it's not broke, I'm not fixing it. I'm going to do it my way. At the same time, like you said, the, some of the places he sets up for, and he still frames a pitch decent, but if he's, if he's slapping home plate, you know, it's going to be in the dirt. I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that out. So, you know, there was, you know, going back to the Michaelis start, there was a couple of pitches that were strikes called balls that I think would have really saved Michaelis the pitch count and would have got him out of an inning where he probably would have went a little longer than what he did. So I'm not going to blame everything on Yachty, but like there, there are some things like you, you said that you can pinpoint some of it's father time and the age, but some of it I think may be just a stubbornness of every other team is kind of tinkering with ways to improve, and he's just like, I'm just going to go with what I know. And I don't mind that because he is Yadier Molina. He's damn good. But, you know, it, it's hard to say of if that's going to be an issue going forward or, you know, if, if Kisner gets more starts because the Cardinals have talked about that too, wanting to give him – you know, just arrest Molina, and I think he's all right with that. I I don't think he's going to try to buck the system on it. He might a little bit, but he, he needs to to take a few days here and there. Well, like today, they you know they, on the radio they said that the the wild pitch, Yachty caught it with his hand, not yeah. his glove. He couldn't get yeah. his glove over. He got his hand. He over. his hand out there, and that was and just so, why are you doing that? And so that's the thing. I mean, and again, there's nobody here that's questioning. Yadier Molina's manhood or his ability, because, I mean, he gave up part of it for the team, you know. But, uh, <laughs> but again, at some age, you know, I realize there's things I can no longer do. And I'll bet you Herrera has a watch. Yeah, I'm sure he does. I'm <laughs> sure he does. And, you know, I, I'd be interested to see if Kisner, you know, goes that route. I, I think he that. Yeah, I was wondering that, too. And that, that, that probably comes with territory, too, of having – some of the foreigners on the ball club that it might be hard to communicate with where you, you see them, you know, go to their hat, you know, and pull out the card. Are we going with this set of, you know, pitches? 
that would be a real good way for for guys that don't speak English that well to to communicate and you know make sure you are on the right page. You can just Google it, right? Your language as you're going to first base yeah. and talk to the guy. Yeah. You could do that. And like so you know, and, and that's like you said again. I think it's the whole changing of the guard, the changing of technology, because for years, you know, you couldn't have anything in the dugout. You could have cell phones. You could have nothing in the dugout. And now they've got the iPads. They've got the, they're going to go with the watches. And a lot of this stems just from the, just from the Astros getting away with cheating. But, you know, the funny thing about it was I had read uh, just yesterday, uh, one of the other major league players from another team said, if the Astros were the only team doing it, they would have been suspended a lot more. Right. The fact was, they're the only team that got caught. Yeah. That's the biggest thing. And so, Major League Baseball is smart enough not to to bite its own hand that feeds it. True. And so, they're not going to call out 25 teams for cheating and put a black eye on baseball. And right. so, that and that's the thing. I, I think they have to do something. But, again, here's my only question is, my bank gets hacked. <laughs> so, so, you're going to see what these catchers mind the play going, Wait a minute, Domino's is delivered. What the heck's going on here? You know, they're gonna start flashing signs to the thing. But right. I don't know. Like I said, it's you know, it, it's kind of been a weird week all the way around for everything this week with baseball. Um, I seen where like the the young lady uh was the first uh minor league uh manager this week. That's pretty inc- that's pretty impressive, you know. Everything going on changes in baseball, like we said, and, her, and she got her win on her debut. That's really cool as well. So and it's been a rough week around our house as well. So for those of you who don't know, the passing of my mother this week, uh, her long battle of cancer. And so uh, it's been kind of a difficult week for us uh, around the Cox household as well. Um, a lot going on. But I know, you know, even like Chris has been under the weather and several of our moderators have been under the weather as well. But um, so the start of baseball, it's kind of like with me, it's it takes my mind off of everything else going on. So this is a good this is a good distraction for me right now with everything going on. And of course I get to sit here and talk to my buddy, Chris. So that's the other thing. So we don't live, we only live about eight hours apart or seven hours apart. So we don't get to see each other, but once a year, maybe. So that's one more reason we look forward to hopping on these podcasts is, you know, we, we bullshit, you know, in our group message constantly, but this is, this is like us going to a bar and hanging out. You know, we don't get a chance to do that. Like a lot of people. So this is a good thing. And, you know, I, you know, I send my condolences to you about your mom. You know, I know that's a, a rough thing and, you know, prayers and thoughts for your family. Uh, and I'm like you, you know, this, this is baseball is our, our getaway for things. You know, uh, recently Tina had her hip surgery. And so we've kind of been confined to the house. Not that we go out and do a lot anyway, but it takes your mind off of the struggles, you know, going on and, you know, for baseball to be back, you know, it's, it's exciting, but it's also that that distraction that we all need from a hard day of work or being under the weather, or, you know, just any struggles that we're dealing with. Baseball, it, it means more than just the wins and loss column. You know, a lot of fans are freaking out. Obviously, the ones that don't know, we are recording this on Sunday night. So currently, the Cardinals are two and one uh, when we put this out tomorrow. Hopefully, it'll be before the game, but you know already the the sky is falling because we're two and one to the Pirates. And if you look at it, I mean the Rockies beat the Dodgers two games, you know, and the Dodgers are done. Right? Yeah, might as well throw in the towel. And you know, I I kind of did this on purpose, but on, on our fantasy league, I've got Milwaukee's top two pitchers on my team, so I'm thinking if they do well, my fantasy team does well. If they 
blow it up. Well, in real life, I'm yay, you know. So it's kind of a, a win. You're trying to jinx them. You're trying to jinx them. <laughs> Pretty much. But they both, you know, shit the bed against the Cubs, you know, where these are two Cy Young, you know, pitchers go out and the Chicago Cubs, who do they have that's getting it done? Well, they, they took care of business against the, the best two pitchers on the Brewers team. So anything can happen. It is still early. Uh, I'm not ready to hit panic mode just yet or anything, but you know, the, the final score today, nine to four, it was not pretty. Um, you know, Matt's, I, I'm not ready to say that was a bad move. I still think that's an A minus move. Um, yeah, it just, I think some of us going to get used to pitching to Molina. You know, I mean, he, he, that's Molina does bring out the best in some guys, but I think maybe for Matt's, the pressure of this is my first start. I've got to go out and do well. And then he was just hanging some pitches, you know, up in the zone that, you know, Pittsburgh got on a roll and, it, like I said, it is what it is. But nine to four, not not really a good look for today. Well, Matt's has battled injuries too in his past, and he's missed he's missed substantial time. But he's had, I mean, unfortunately, he was in you know the pond scum area. So you know, being with the Mets, and we know how that pitching staff goes up and down, up and down, up and down. Yeah. Uh, so, and how many different catchers did he have when he was in New York? That's the other thing. So you know, to get a system and get in a groove. And this is the reason I think a lot of times, like you said, you know, you could pull him after giving up the grand slam and what do you do to his confidence? And, and even as a manager, you're saying, Hey, I have no faith in you to get the next guy out. And yeah. the biggest thing is, you know, they all tell you, you know, that you have to shake off that last pitch. No matter what the result is, if you struck the guy out, you know, Wainwright's still not celebrating striking out Beltran. You know, that's over. That's in the right. past. Let's move forward. We right. as fans, we still celebrate it, but oh, yeah. Wayno is just it was just another out on the way of the World Series. And so, and that's the biggest thing that a fan has to realize that these guys don't live and die by every pitch like you do or I do. And they they have to have a short memory and they have to move forward because their job depends on it, their livelihood. Um, so for Skip to not go out and pull him, that was probably just say, hey, I still have faith in you. You're all right. Let's just shake it off. And then again, he gave up another run. But, hey, gave up two more, actually. But, right, yeah. And, but the problem is, again, like you said, how much pressure is on that kid that, you know, the Mets, I don't know if you've watched a lot of Mets games in the last couple of years, they don't have a solid fan base like they used to. You know, you're not, they're not the Yankees. You know, if they're winning, then they're packed. St. Louis on a Tuesday night in May, they've got 42,000 people. Well, he and did so better he, once he went over to Toronto is when he really, you know, started figuring things out. So, I mean, that, I think coming here, he, he can take some of what he learned in Toronto, but it's one outing. I'm not ready to, like, you know, throw the book at him and say, I'm, you know, I'm done with it. And like you said, obviously, you don't have anybody warming up right after the Grand Slam. I would probably not have waited for a second guy to get on base. To, to have went ahead and pulled him. Um, only only reason I say that is we have the extended bullpens that we aren't going to be hurting by, you know, going to the well, you know, too many times. You, you had enough arms there. You could have probably put somebody in to stop the bleeding. But, you know, they wanted to give him a chance, see if he could, you know, work out of a gym kind of like what Michaelis did. And I don't see a problem with it. You know, just kind of let – you got to live and learn. And, and that's the thing is you have to see what he – I mean, you don't know him either. You right. know, what's his response? Maybe maybe that was a wake-up call. He bears down. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he folds like a cheap tent, you know? Yeah. But the other thing is, you know, in our group, they uh, for some reason, I don't know the logic, I guess, in the posting of some of these people that 
they put, you know, well, I don't understand why somebody isn't warming up. Why is it? The guy was in, you know, the third inning. You're not going to have somebody on standby warming up. Oh, let's throw a lefty and a righty in the bullpen and get them warming up as the guy he enters the third inning. And that, to me, it's like you've never watched a ball game before. I only do that in the playoffs when you know that you can. Exactly. You've got to have somebebody you know fresh in case of blow up. There, there should always be somebody in the bullpen in the, yeah, in the playoffs. But not, not in the third game of the season. You're not going out right, even with ask, the expanded bullpen. Ask, ask Atlanta. Ask Atlanta what happened to them in the first inning against the, or yeah. the. You know what happened to them? You know they got slaughtered in the first inning against the game. Oh and, yeah. No. And so, and that's the difference is. You know, and I get that, but again, it's a long season. This is one of, you know, whatever they're going to play this year, 162, I guess they say they're going to try. Yeah. We're going to be playing into December, but hey, for, hey, there's going to be baseball on my birthday, November 17th. Hey, that'll work. And uh, so uh, I'll be in St. Louis in the snow in my, on my birthday, watch the World <laughs> Series. There you go. That's winter. Um, but, uh, and that and that's the biggest thing is, is that we, you have to see what you have in a player. You can't just cast them aside. You know, how many play, how many people want to get rid of Bader two years ago? You know, oh, this guy is awful. Let's get rid of him. You know, it, well, look at look at you know uh, O'Neill. You know, when he was swinging at that crap in the dirt and that low and away in the other batter's box, him and Gritchick. You know, they oh, let's get rid of these guys. They're bums. Mazalak, get fire him. Now he's got his two time two time Gold Glove winner. He's got he's oh, yeah. leading the league in RBIs. But hey, we would have got rid of him for a, a case of baseballs two years ago. <laughs> That's where it, it always cracks me up. And it's funny because you know, we in the past, we've been labeled Mo apologists till we're blue in the face on things. Um, and, and we do try to look at the bright side of things, but we're realists too. You know, we're not just, you know, optimists that can't see the negative. We just don't dwell on the negative. You know, if, if you're hanging on every pitch or every loss, if your life is that locked into, hey, we lost today, so it's fire Matts, fire Dickerson, you know, Pujols was 0 for 5. That was a bad move. Like, if you start nitpicking, we're not going to have anybody on a team that you're going to like. I mean, Aaron and Goldschmidt are not going to get hit every at-bat. Harrison Bader and Tyler O'Neill are not going to catch everything that goes in the outfield, although they will come close. It's not going to happen, you know. So it's, it's crazy, and it just – I think some of it speaks to the passion of the fan base, but there are some out there that it goes a little beyond passion. It's just uh, nitpicking and everybody's going to have a bad day. I mean, yeah. period, you know, it, it, it is what it is. So it's, it's when you string those bad days together that it matters or the good days together that matters, right. you know, the, you know, all it takes a, a, you know, one hitter there or there and you're in 300 hitter and you're a hall of famer, you know, as the, Great uh, baseball player said, you know, uh, one seeing eyes grounder, you know, an eye with balls with eye, you know, you know, that was great, you know, but again, it's it, the reason we love baseball. The reason we hate baseball is because the statistics, we all love the numbers. We hate the numbers. Oh, yeah. And so, but you had to have a long string of numbers to make it really count. <laughs> right. I was, I was hoping that, you know, obviously again, it's not the end of the world, but was hoping. I said, man, it'd be cool if the Cardinals could go on another 17-game win streak to start the season. That way you really get the, you know, the the lead up there. But I, I want to kind of go back to something that obviously we haven't talked about because we haven't been on in a couple of weeks, but something that come out on social media about our former manager, Mike Schilt, and how he was brokenhearted about the, the Cardinals ordeal and some of the details that came out of what he had to say. 
I didn't find totally shocking. I, I did think it was kind of weird that here he was expecting an extension. Um, Azalek calls him up and I could see him thinking an extension was going to happen. I mean, he was in the running for manager of the year twice, did win it once, uh, had another year on his deal and nobody likes that, you know, lingering over him. So he's thinking I'm going to get an extension. And the first words out of Mazalak's mouth is Mike, this conversation is not going to go how you think it's going to (laughs) go. And I'm sure that did deflate him. And he went on to say like his wife didn't even believe that this uh, firing was going to take place, you know, because Obviously, after the 17-game win streak you get in the playoffs, you're not thinking that that's going to happen. Obviously, it did, and he took the the job of the commissioner's office and the San Diego Padres. I did find it weird that reading a Bernie Miklas article and a few others that come out and said, you know, without naming names, that they had heard that Schilt was getting in the face of several Cardinal coaches and it was so off-putting that it was causing friction among the entire coaching staff. I, I can tell you they panned to the dugout a lot, but I, I didn't really see it much. I'm not sure they're going to zone in while Schultz over there, like maybe chewing Maddox's ass or Jeff Albert's ass over something. But if that was the case, and Mazalak still you know, won't talk about it, and why should he? What's done is done. He doesn't want to throw him under the bus because he doesn't want to hurt his chances of you know, getting another job somewhere. But I thought that to be kind of out of character because what we saw from Schilt was a very, what I call a lame post-game interview where he's doing the whole tip of the cat, golly gee, we shucks, we tried. So if, if that's the attitude he's given after a loss, I can't imagine he's in the dugout telling Willie McGee, kiss my ass, Willie, or you know, I just can't see that happening. But if Nicholas said it and a few other people said it, there has to be some truth to it. And the fact that we did retain pretty well every other coach other than him. So what say you on that? I mean, do you find that hard to believe? Well, the biggest thing was, like you said, is that the, when, when they hit the 17-game win streak last year, um, I had read an article to you guys. I, I found it and showed it to you guys and told you that some of the players were coming out and saying, we stopped listening to Schilt. They were listening to Alberts. You know, they were finally saying we need to do what our hitting coach is saying, not what our manager is saying. And there was kind of disgruntled then. But then, you know, with Bernie, who, you know, love or hate Bernie, you know, that kind of an ongoing thing between the, all of us. But um, for him to come out and say it the way he said it, it has to be there has to be some founded truth in that because he's not going to throw himself out in that limb. And like you said, you know, what does Mazalak or DeWalt or any of those guys have to say? They're not going to come out and say, yeah, we tolerated this maniac for three years or two and a half years and put our, our players there. And then we fired the guy that was, you know, like you said, a, a one-time manager of the year and a second runner-up or whatever you want to call it, second loser, whatever. Um, but again, there had to be some reason that a guy wins that many games and he's gone. But yet, how did we not win all season? Then we hit that 17-game hit win streak. It just that's what didn't make sense at the time to us, any of us. We talked about it. That it seemed like we couldn't put three wins together to start a streak. Then all once we can't lose, and we're beating the Padres and people like that. It's not like they're lame teams. It's like, what the hell happened? Who turned the switch on? Something had to change. And so it did make sense. But again, you know, we don't know what's said behind closed doors. And, you know, the, you know, 
nobody ever believed that uh, some people are serial killers live right next door to you either, you know, and yeah. I'm not saying the guy's a serial killer. Yeah, ironically, that was kind of the thing I was going to point out was because of the, the post-game interviews being that way, he did come across like the the, the boy next door. Exactly. Yeah. Um, exactly. I know we did. We said that. Yeah. Yeah. I know we did see the video that Rosarena leaked on their their post gate where he got fired up, you know, and that was a different side to show where I'm like, I've seen him chew on Pyre's asses before, and I liked it. You know, I liked the fire that he showed. I liked that whole that that pumping up your. Th- I didn't like that it got leaked, but I like seeing that side of him because I'm like okay, he's not just in there, like, rubbing their shoulders and being like, hey, good job. Like, but it did kind of take me off guard to, to hear that he was, like, in the coaching staff's face because I'm like, we also heard there was some friction maybe on the the fact he wanted Mazalek to go out and make more moves than what he did early on when they were struggling with the pitchers and then to go get, like, Jay Happ and John Lester, which were good moves. But at the time, I mean, even we kind of questioned, damn, you know, like. We gave up. Right. You know, are these moves that are really going to help us out? They ultimately did, but maybe Schilt went up to him during that time. And that, that might've been what really ruffled feathers with Mo and been like, if you want to win, Carlos ain't it. And we need somebody to be, you know, in here. Who knows? I mean, mean, we, we seen when, you know, Chocolatey was here and, and LaRusa, you know, they worked together. That, that was a tandem, you know, and they, they would sit down and they would say, okay, this is the guy I want, this guy I don't want. And, but LaRusse had been in the league for 20 years before he came to yeah. St. Louis. So it wasn't like he's a brand new manager making, hey, here's what I want demands. Right. And so I think that's a big difference. But um, again, you know, the old, the, you know, the Bill Purcell, the tuna, you know, if I'm if I'm gonna have to bake the cake, I want to shop for the groceries, you know that kind of a thing too. Yeah. And and again, the ultimate responsibility comes down to the manager, you know. And so I, I can see his side of that a little bit, but you know, like you said, Randy Rosarena, you know, that coming out that video, that had a lot to do with it. it said a lot right there. How do we know he didn't have other videos? You know, right. maybe there were other mishaps where he was going off, and like you said, a McGee or somebody like that, and you know. Mazalak probably went to McGee and those guys, the veterans, and asked them, hey, you're here with this guy every day. What do you think? You know, is it is it Alberts or is it uh, Schilt? You know, which guy's got to go? But the other thing about it that really strikes a lot of, of semblance or, or uh, credence to what uh, Bernie said was no team really interviewed the guy. Yeah. I mean, he really didn't. I mean, he got passed over by everybody. And like you said, he was a manager of the year and he's a runner up the second year. He's only been leaked two and a half years. So, and he had a 17 game win streak to end the season and with dumpster diving pitchers, you know? And right. so you would have thought, you know, the Mets in their dysfunctional world, they would have went, but, you know, they were still dealing with the car, those ball train crap and all that at the time, yeah. and Joey Core and all that. But, there had to be, you know, why didn't a Texas Rangers or somebody, you know, like that? Hey, let's take a look at this guy. You know, Arizona, we've seen how dysfunctional they are out there. But right. so there's too much, you know, like, you know, the old saying, you know, there's too much smoke not to be a fire somewhere. And he was the guy who got fired. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, with Bob Melvin going to the Padres, I really thought Schilt to the A's would have made you know, a lot of sense. But that team's rebuilding. There's no pressure on you to win right now. You've obviously, you're you know a player's coach, supposedly, you know. I mean, who knows? But 
I didn't think for a chance in hell that he would be New York. You know, that media would have ate his ass alive if he come in weak sauce on. Well, Opie golly. Got sl- Opie got slaughtered. Yeah. Yeah, that wasn't going to happen. But, they put Opie's hand on the, pe- the pedestal outside Shay. <laughs> uh, but, but, you know, kudos to, to show for getting the job that he's got and for to Mazalak for not, not opening this can of worms, moving forward with it, because it does no good. I mean, He's, he's not the ma- manager of the Cardinals anymore. Ali Marmol is. That needs to be where the focus is. Uh, you know, a couple former Cardinals that we were kind of at least pulling for to make their teams because they got signed to minor league deals as Matt Carpenter and Carlos Martinez. Neither one made the opening day roster. I uh, think Carpenter's, you know, probably got a longer shot than Carlos. You know, I think Carlos will get called up before Matt Carpenter does. But I do hope that both of them, before the season's over, get that opportunity. I, I think I think Matt Matt's the only person that hasn't come to reality yet that his career's probably over. Um, I could see him being a coach or something, you know, being down there in Texas where his alma mater is and end up as a coach someplace. And hopefully it's not a hitting coach because we know he can't do that anymore. <laughs> no, just kidding. And I'm a Matt Carpenter fan. You know that. Oh, but, yeah. I think the biggest change happened there was when they moved him from leadoff to the three hole. I think it screwed with his head and then the shift happened and everything else went to hell on the guy, but hell next year he could be an all-star hell, you know, do away the shift next year. Hell, he come back and he crank it up again next year. That's what I thought. I was thinking this year, you know, I thought the shift would, the banning shift would happen this year and he would come out and be lights out. But Carlos a lot younger than Carpenter. I think he's got a, a better opportunity to do more with his career. Obviously he's, Head case Carlos, you know, and that's not making fun of mental illness. That's not trying to make light of anything. It's, you know, I think him being younger, there's more of an opportunity there. Carpenter is what he is, and I don't think, like you said, he was in his head from the the shift on a lot of it. But at the same time, he went up there with a mentality, and I said this for the last three years, he would rather walk than get a hit because he was that – unconfident that he couldn't get a hit. So he's like, I'm just going to take these pitches. Half the time, he shouldn't even have took a bat with him to the to the batter's box. And that was sad to see because here was a guy that had put the Cardinals on his back, carried them, done everything, played every position for them. I think it broke him. You know, I think they, they, they broke him. And with Carlos, I think it all comes down to the right person getting in Carlos's head and in Carlos's friendship or whatever. Because I think Carlos is lacking that mentorship. I think it's I think something happened there that, you know, again, we don't know what the Oscar Tavares thing did to him and the divorce, all that stuff. That's a lot of pressure on a young kid. And the other thing, like we said before, being from a foreign country coming here and you know, you're given the keys to the world in, in financial, you know, you got all this money just sitting there, nothing to do. And then on top of that, you get a lot of free time after and before games. And I think right now, I think he needs somebody, you know, a mentor that, hey, you know, you could be that star still. You're young enough. You could still recover from this. You know, and I hate to say this, but I think a good fit for him would be a Dusty Baker. You know, Dusty Baker's got that mentor ability of a lot of players. And, I mean, as a pitcher, he'd use him up and discard him. But other than that, he would at least teach him something about the game and, and help him out. But I, I don't know with Carlos, I think it's Carlos has to realize it's Carlos that is Carlos's problem. <laughs> right. And I know you and I, and pro- I can speak to the rest of our admin and moderator group and, you know, just a lot of fans in general, just because we say 
Carlos is, you know, in his own head about things, or just because we say that Matt Carpenter refused to, to do certain things, that's that's our opinion. It's not to be disrespectful to them or to make light of any personal issues that they're going through. Um, I, I'll say this as we kind of get ready to wrap up the show that, you know, here recently there was there was some news that come out uh, about Albert Pujols and his wife that took our our group by storm, where everybody had an opinion on, you know, things that. Only Albert and his wife knew about, but Pujols, you know, it came out uh, via his, I don't know if it was his agent or whoever had, had kind of said, get, it, get ahead of this. Yeah, his publicist and said, you know, get, get ahead of this. And so he explained that, you know, him and his wife after however many years of marriage, 22 years, yeah, probably, yeah uh, that they were calling it quits. And this wasn't something that, you know, had happened overnight. It was, uh, you know, kind of over a course of time. Uh, and then wanted, you know, privacy to be respected. And um, a few days later, uh, she came out and, you know, was really supportive in Albert and give a really good message on, I believe it was Instagram. But prior to that, she had had brain surgery. And we all thought it was a little odd that Pujols was playing in his first spring training game and missing that. So I think everything kind of had built up. But when you're seeing these articles from TMZ or, you know, what, what Bob Nightingale on Twitter and all, but all these people were, were not doing it to, to cause the drama. It was Pujols literally wanted to get this out because it, it didn't need to hang over the club or anything like that. And when people, and I try to express this in a post, when people posted about it, that's what they were doing is sharing the news of it. Now, if you're coming in with an angle of, well, how could he leave her or how could she leave him or she's the reason he wanted out of St. Louis, there may be truth to that, some of that, and there may not. But it is not our place to do that. And I, I wouldn't do that, you know. It's him saying what he said was not to – it wasn't for attention. It was literally to get out ahead of it and express what was happening. So I hated to see so many of our fans jump on that as like, oh, my God, let's get off on this drama and start pointing fingers. And that's a private matter that we respect his privacy by not doing what they were doing. We brought it up as posting on the page and talking about it now because it's news, not, not the reasons behind it. Well, first, a lot of those people that jumped on that were the, were the Albert, you know, Albert left for money crowd anyway. So they were going to they're going to nitpick it to death anyway. It didn't matter. And, and like my grandfather always said, there's three sides to every story, his, hers, and the truth. Yeah. And we don't know. We've not been there. Um, we've we've seen both sides in the paper, you know, her blowing up about the management of St. Louis when they left and all that. And then she blew up about Anaheim letting him, or I'm sorry, L.A., letting him go. So we've seen that as well. So we've seen we've seen the, the ugliness of Deidre. We've seen the ugliness of divorce. We've seen it all. It's none of our business. All it was was simply, hey, before this gets out of hand, here's our side. We still care about each other. And we, you know, we've mutually agreed our best interest is to move ahead forward our lives without each other. And they both put in there about their religion and how they believe in God. And they're going to go their separate ways after many months of prayers and trying to figure it out. And I'm sure they've gone through counseling and everything else. Because, again, the biggest thing that a lot of us will not remember is she can get half of everything he owns. The man's got a lot of money. So this is a huge decision. This is not some, he went out and slept with some floozy one night and, Hey, I'm going to give her $200 million to go my merry way. Right. Maybe it is. I don't know. 
again, it's none of my business. I don't care one way or the other. So you're not I saying that's why he took a two and a half million dollar deal this year because he's like, fuck it, she's getting half anyway. Just right. only, give me, only give me two and a half million. That's right, yeah. <laughs> Just now here you go, that'll push her over the tax bracket in Missouri. That'll teach her. But again, it's you know, again, I, I watch baseball. Um, we of course we realize that you know their private lives do intermingle the Jim Edmonds stories a couple years ago, how that all happened with him and the girlfriends right. and the wife and all that. We get it. Um, you know, and then of course, you know, our favorite uh, outfielder that we shipped off to Atlanta and all this situation he got into. Yeah. And so, but again, we realize that they are people. And even like we said with Matt and Carlos, we can't go as far as judging who they are as people. We can only judge their gameplay and how it appears to us. You know, yeah. and like you said, we said last show, Carlos would be out, you know, partying or whatever after a big loss. And that didn't set well with fans. But again, I will say, this is just their job. You know, if, if you have a shitty day at work and you go home and kick the dog and smack the wife, nobody reports it on the front page of the paper unless right. you're arrested. Yeah. And that, and, but these guys, if they cross the line illegally, it's front page paper. Mm -hmm. and, and that's what people have to keep in mind. So, you know, again, from us here, we, you know, we wish you know, nothing but the best for either him or her, if that's what their decisions are, because it is their personal life. Yeah. Um, and even with Carlos and, and, and Matt, you know, we want nothing but the best for the two of them. We, we love them both because they are Cardinals for life, whether we like where they're at in their lives now or not, you know? Uh, so again, it's, it's, you know, you and I sitting here giving our opinions, that's all it is. Um, I'm not an expert. You're not an expert. Neither one's getting paid. You know, the big bucks, like we told our moderators, we should be getting paid for moderation. I said, okay, tell you what, pay raise. Everybody gets double what we got yesterday. Yeah. We don't get nothing yesterday. We're getting double nothing today. <laughs> so, and guess what? Some guys sucked me into this group seven years ago. And, and I used to have a lot of hair that wasn't gray and you didn't have a beard then. Yeah. And, I know all those I know. and so that's just the biggest thing I wish that our group would understand is that, you know, treat each other the way you want to be treated and it comes out well. And I, and I realize I make those smart ass comments and I, and, and I, and I do instigate at times, but it's in fun. I'm not trying to belittle anybody. I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings. It's trying to be lighthearted. And that's what we try to do here as well. We give our opinions. We try to tell jokes and we have a good time about it because who wants to watch, you know, the Mets and the Yankees every day. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and the cool thing too, about, you know, the group of the, of the Facebook group and uh page, you know, we talked about that the other day that we're getting close to 50,000 members <coughs> on one hand, you know, we get some members that are like, I, I wish it was smaller again. To me, I like that we're reaching fans that, uh, otherwise we would never know some of these great, you know, people that we form friendships with, you know, so it's been a really cool experience on the flip side of that. There's only so many hours in the day and there's what eight of us. Admins. So it's, it's one of those things where there's, there's not enough hours in the day for us to babysit every comment, every post. And some people, they don't just do the playful jabs, like what you're talking about. They go to the extreme and they get, you know, belligerent. And that's when, you know, we've got to step in, not being on a power trip and, you know, kind of get in the middle of that. But between the group of almost 50,000, the page, we started that seven years ago. And we're at, you know, what is 70,000 followers. That's just unbelievable to me. You know, we, we joke about 
what the attendance was at Bush Stadium on opening day and to know that our group could have went and filled it and, you know, Ballpark Village, it's pretty effing nuts, man. It is nuts. For consider, considering the reason we're here to begin with is because we left other groups we didn't like. And That's those true. groups have fallen by the wayside or they're like, you know, 400 or 500 people now. You know, that's the thing that's funny is because we don't know anything. But, you know, I always say that if you think you're having a bad day, you should be a moderator in our group. No I've had my life threatened. Me too. Because I've removed a post. So stop and think about that for a minute. Over a Facebook post, somebody threatened to come to my house and beat me up. Right. I don't realize I'm six foot, 300 pounds, and I carry lots of guns. But hey, welcome to come see me anytime you want. Right. Just kidding. I don't promote violence. <laughs> I don't run away from it either. But hey, but uh, no, but all in all, really, um, you know, you go to the ballpark and you see Miss Gordon and all those people, and yeah, and they're fun. It is a great time. And like you said, I mean, you and I were friends before really coming here. Right. You, you vote, you asked me to help moderate at the time. And I came from another group as well. We were friends. We didn't know each other. And now I wouldn't have anybody as a brother other than you, man. I mean, that's how it is. And even, you know, Jared, Boyd, and Zach, and Dustin, and Matt, and, uh, you know, those guys, you know, that's the thing. I mean, now I wish a lot of our fans could see just our moderator group discussions. We talk more baseball there than we do anyplace else anymore because – we can't post because we get so berated by everybody. So it's kind of weird, but um, you know, Chris has been carrying on the, you know, the game threads and stuff. And it's really funny how little old ladies get hostile. If that game threads, not up. That's oh, man. Kills him, man. They, they're wanting to where's Chris. Cause I remember when, I remember when you were sick, they were hitting me up going, where's Chris? Where's this? And I'm like, I don't know, dude, I don't do this game. Thread <laughs> stuff. I don't know how to do this. I don't. I don't ever pin nothing. I post it. I want to hide. And then next thing I know, I got two hundred thousand people yelling at me. I don't know. But yeah. All in all, you know what? It's been a great seven years. I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. I love the, the podcast. Hell, I remember three years ago you begging me to come on, and I was like, Nah, dude, I don't want no part of this, man. And now well, I look forward to it, bro. That was a different time and different place too. On you know, situation's a lot more fun now than what it used to be. We, we get to talk here. Me and you both get to talk on this. Yeah, game. and people actually watch now. It's crazy how that works. Yeah, and we don't have to bring on a Hall of Famer or nothing. Yeah, we we only talk about the Cardinals. We don't talk about the Cubs or Star Wars either. But uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, no, I think it's kind of crazy too. Like you said, if I don't get that game thread up, man, I'm getting you know, hammered, where is it, where is it, but honestly, like, I I don't think, we do get credit from the the members of the group, it's like, they thank us all the time for all the effort that we put into it, we don't do it for any braggadocious rights or anything, we literally, send me money, send me money, people, dollar each, send us that money, but no, seriously, we, we enjoy it, and you know, it's, we live Cardinals baseball, I mean, it is our, our getaway from things, but we obsess over the shit in the off season. We're making, you know, moves on, you know, Hey, who should we get? Should we even up until, you know, Hey, should we get Sean Manea? You know, we were talking about that. Every other fan does it too, yes, but we, we should have, we should have. <laughs> but the, the group chat that we have, that's where a lot of our conversations do take place. And we do chime in, in the group here and there, but we kind of let that be, you know, the members kind of doing their thing. We, we share our blog articles that me and Brad put out. We share the podcast that me and Larry and occasionally Jared, when he's able to make it, when we put out a, yeah, <laughs> that's what he would have said. So. I know. That's why I said it. 
we'll, but, see, we'll see. We'll see if he watches this one now. <laughs> but, but the three of us, when, when we put a show, we put that out. When we when we write a blog article, we put that out, and we do that on the page in the group and on Twitter and stuff. So we do put out our content occasionally, you know, some other stuff. But the group is just it's full of passionate fans and you know that's just been the beauty of it and watching it grow i do miss the small group too yeah <laughs> but i do i do miss it when it was small but at the same time we have met a ton of amazing people and some that you know over the past few years you know have passed away and really been hard for us like losing somebody you've known your whole life and it's like you know, I know last year we lost Kevin, you know, and that, that really tore us up. It's like never got to meet the guy, but I, I felt like I knew him my whole life. And there's been several members, you know, of the group like that, that uh, the other day when Dion got that home run, somebody put that heart, you know, warming post that they were with their uncle in the hospital and it was a hospice situation and he passed, took his last breath right after that home run. And it's like, man, you know, that hits us, you know. For that person to share it to our group, you know, with other Cardinal fans and to see those Cardinal fans come together, you know, in support of like rest in peace, you know, our prayers are with you. That helps, believe it or not. You know, I know when we've been down on our luck and people pick us up with thoughts and prayers, we've got a lot of great people in Cardinals Nation 24-7. So that's well worth all the shitheads that we got to deal with. I'm just here to sell everybody Medicare and life insurance, dude. Just, just call me. Give me that's the sponsor of this ship of this podcast. American Senior Benefits of Terre Haute. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, like you said, I, I mean, the thing is, it's always amazing is, is that when when somebody does say, you know, a lifelong grandfather or father passed away, you see the, you know, thousands of posts that follow it, and that's the biggest thing I think gets to me is you see that and you think it, you know, most people will just, you know, blaze by and just go on by. But then you see, you go back later and you look and you see how many post responses there are. And yeah. to me, that's, I think that's the heartfelt Cardinal nation that we all want. And that's the way join because, you know, again, the best fans in baseball, we all know it's been overused. You know, the fact that a lot of people will say, you know, it's, you know, Red Sox nation or Cubs nation or, you know, whatever. Well, we're just a bunch of rednecks from the Midwest and just, now you know having a good time and but again we do care about each other and you know and the human beings that we are we don't care about the race the religion or the color or the skin or any of that and, the, and we don't care what anybody says that you know they want to call us out or whatever on this page it is we treat each other as baseball fans and but as human beings and we have to keep that first and foremost so when you're when you're having a bad day and you feel like you got to come in and yell at somebody me, inbox me message and scream at me i don't care I'll block you like I do everybody else. I probably have more people blocked than I do as friends anymore because I have that many people who hate me. Uh, and I don't know why. I'm a lovable guy. I mean, how could you not love me? I'm a legend. Come on. There you go. I'm the best insurance guy in the world. <laughs> uh, on that note, which is all true. It's all true. Uh, but, you know, the Cardinals, by the time we get this out, hopefully we get it out before uh, tomorrow's game. But if not, tomorrow the Cardinals – yeah, so the Cardinals do uh, wrap up their series tomorrow at one fifteen against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Hopefully, we can you know not split and take that you know series. We do have a, a two game set with the Royals you know afterwards that should be cakewalk too. But that seems to be those two are the teams that give us fits. So uh, see who the starter is for game one against the Royals. Uh, yeah, I did see that. Yeah, 
but uh, hopefully, you know, everybody enjoyed uh, this show. We apologize again that it took us a couple weeks to get it out, but we did have, uh, you know, some, some very serious matters. So uh, we will get back into doing this weekly, and hopefully we can get some of the guys on with us to talk some ball. But if not, you're going to be stuck with the Bearded Dragon and the Living Legend, and we're all right with that. So oh, there you go. Yep. But, again, appreciate everybody that's tuned in and uh, supports us on all of our platforms. We do uh, encourage people to check us out on the YouTube channel. Um, you can also go over to CardinalsNation247.com. You can catch uh, our weekly show along with a lot of blog content. Uh, go over to our Facebook page. That's where we've got over 70,000 followers. We share our work as well as some of the post-dispatch and, you know, Bali Sports Network uh, highlight videos. We, we share all the Cardinals content there. Or join the Facebook group or as the fan forum where, like I said, it gets a little crazy, but you will not see a more passionate fan base. So, uh, again, I thank everybody. And, Larry, any final words before we wrap this one up? Yeah, check out the blogs, man. You guys, you and Brad are nailing it, dude. You guys are writing it out. Uh, all I got to say is, man, let's go Cardinals. Let's, clean. let's finish business tomorrow and head over to Kansas City, dude. All right, man. Let's go Cards. Thanks, everybody.